Hey everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Tricky Kid Radio. I am your host, Roy Turner, as always. To my right is my old good friend, uh, filmmaker, awesome guy, Deedle LaCour. Deedle, welcome to Tricky Kid Radio. Thanks for having me. Uh, Deedle's on board uh, this week because we have a very, very, very special guest. Uh, first of all, I wanted to say happy birthday to Deedle. Thank you. And we both want to say happy birthday to Doug Pennick, uh, the legendary bassist, singer, and all-around awesome guy from King's X. He joins us this week. You guys might have heard a little bit of the show last week that we did, where it was a tribute to our dear friend Vinnie Paul from Pantera. Uh, it's a great, great show. We have we had Carrot Top, who was a, is a great fr- friend of Vinnie's, and and Doug, and we tell a bunch of great Pantera stories and a bunch of great stories about Vinnie and his brother. Um, play some rare music, and it was so cool that. Uh, the carrot uh, top and um, and Doug were able to join us for that. So this is actually kind of a part two, and it's all about Doug. And it's all about King's X. Uh, Deedle and I have been friends. How long, Deedle? Uh, Twenty years, longer maybe. What year? Wait, what, what year did you get married? Ninety nine. Okay, so I think you and I met around I want to say ninety seven, ninety eight. So yeah, it's been over twenty, over twenty years. So, uh, so it's so awesome to have you here. Finally, I've been wanting to do it. He and I uh, have uh, getting together regularly on on other stuff, but uh, finally had the time to get him on the show. And I, there's nobody I would want more on this program than you, my friend, because King's X is actually how we met and how we bonded. Do you re- do you remember the first time? Um. I don't remember the very first time. Um, God, what show was it? Was it one of the shows, or was it at like a... Well, we met before that, I'm saying, but I think the first time that we saw King's X together or saw King's X, uh, or like, hey, you're into this too, yeah. like thing, I want to say it was probably uh, either... Uh, I want to say it was either Deep Ellum Live or it was a show at Trees, probably. Yeah. We'll see. Like, I, I'm trying to think back to the eras, because um, I... Early on, like my dad would take me, like to the, uh, he took me to, I think when they opened for Scorpions, right, and right. then Motley Crue, and then, uh, and those were like some of my earliest shows I went to. Actually, I was pretty young, and then uh, I forget uh, you're five years younger than I am. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, golly, yeah. So either Trees or or uh, Deep Elm Live or one of those places i don't remember but so what do you what did your dad turn you on to king's x is that how you first heard about no my my uh, cousin older cousin of mine very musical guy um and was kind of like a mentor to me in a lot of ways but especially musically um turned me on to king's x and um you know I, i come from very religious background and upbringing so the there was that religious component that was interesting and appealing to him and a lot of my family and so that was a early on a uh, a uh, draw for me for king's x or something that was interesting that was actually why my dad who at the time was very religious would take me to a motley crew show King's <laughs> right. X was opening right so that was that was a an entry point um so uh but my my cousin he he kind of explained and you know turned me on to how intricate they were, how cool the harmonies were, the Beatles influence, um, just you know even kind of the Hendrix and '60s kind of mystique that was there for sure. While mixing with this much harder and groovy, heavier thing, and so. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I I think the entry was it was the religious, you know, 
stuff that was there, the spiritual undertones and all that, but it was the the music. The, the whole thing, the right? Whole thing. Yeah, and, yeah. And and even 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 the religious stuff early on, they 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 were kind of calling out the hypocrisy within the religious system, or at least that they saw. Yeah, they were kind of like kind of like whistleblowers. So it was almost kind of like on one hand, like you were saying, they were they were almost kind of like this is the one band you're allowed to listen to as a as from the, from a secular standpoint. But at the same time, those that may have been in the non secular world that may have been turned off by that kind of stuff, they kind of still kind of seem like rebels. Yeah, totally. you know. Uh, you know, I was, I, for me, it was my, my friend Chris, uh, for our listeners out there, Chris was the awesome drummer that, that was the co-host uh, last week for, again, the uh, the Carrot Top, uh, uh, Doug Pennick, the tribute to Vinnie Paul. And I wanted to have him on for that part because he's actually the one that actually, like your cousin, turned me on to King Zaxxon. Um, this was around 1989-90, and I remember it was Faith, Hope, Love, and I had no no concept. I did not grow up religious, and I had no concept of that Faith, Hope, and Love to anybody that's now of faith. They would immediately recognize that, and I didn't realize that, like, I think the liner notes has like an entire chapter of the Bible or something mm-hmm. in it. And uh, all I knew was, was it just like you said, it, it, it looked like it looked like Hendrix. It kind of felt. Or, you know, it kind of felt like Rush in a way. I was really into, into Rush, and I, I've always kind of been into that three-piece thing with, like, the police. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and again, of course, Rush. And I'm, and I'm sure they probably got uh, get a lot of those comparisons early on, but it was very quickly that the Rush comparisons for me ended. You know what I mean? Like, it was kind of like, okay, I, I, I kind of get that it's the same crowd that likes these two bands, but this is... They're really peerless, you know, and it's been... Um, Good uh, for them in terms of reputation, uh, but it also may not have been the greatest in terms of um, commercially, of course. Uh, but that's why the respect is there was because I think anybody else uh, may not have made it as long as they have. Talk a little bit to me about the longevity of King's X for you. I mean, just the fact that it's the same three guys. Not all the band changes, you know. the The film that I worked on, uh, filmage, this story of the descendants and all, is, you know, it's, it's kind of a big story about the drummer Bill Stevenson and Milo, the main two guys. But not to digress, but that had all these character, you know, all these people came and go over the years for those guys, and they even changed into a different band and all that. And so, with, with a band like Kings X, it's like same three guys, it's that same chemistry, all the way. And and one of the things that was interesting to me was to see how their uh, to follow kind of their personal journey, not just musically, but in their personal lives, because it's all out there. It's like you follow in the albums, kind of where they they uh, went, and, and especially in with with the the faith component. And they in, sure. in a lot of ways. Um, there's kind of a losing of one's faith throughout the process of their catalog and through their lives and they they did it it was very honest and very open and um and you know it, it for a lot of fans i'm sure that that's they're, they're sad about that they don't like that but that's something that i've struggled with gone through myself and so it's they they very much have almost been there for me yeah for sure for sure <laughs> that component and um and that's why I also wanted, wanted you to talk about that because that's something that's a perspective that I didn't experience, and I knew that you could bring to the table here uh, for you know for our listeners. Um, talk to me a little bit about that too, because you know I've heard 
from other King's X fans, and it's weird that it's almost like at some point in uh, of their fandom, because again, they're we talked. I, you'll hear me and Doug talk about this that nobody was into King's X like that week in eighth grade. Like you're either you're all in or 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 you're not. Once you get it, you get it, and that's it. There's nobody kind of drops off the train, as it were. Um, but maybe at some point, due to age or youth or whatever, uh, they're a band that some people have, have found themselves almost having to defend. Uh, I found that to be interesting because uh, that wasn't really the case for me. But in hindsight, I can look back on it and kind of go, okay, I, I get it. If you were 14 or 13 when Dogman came out, they don't kind of look like the other band. I mean, all the things of, of why they had to defend them would have been an attractive component for me, you know? So on top of the faith thing, was was King's X a band you ever felt like you had to defend liking? Yeah. Really? Of course. Okay. I, I, th- I think um, because the, it, they, they don't fit in any particular category musically, you know, it's, and they, the era they came up in was like they, they were slightly late, you know, to whatever was happening, the eighties hair thing. And they, and, um, they had like a heaviness to them, but it wasn't like metal. And, uh, I think the, 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 the fact that they had two singers or three singers really, but like alternated who sang the lead vocals and all these things are, are I think hard for people to latch on to. Um, you know, they're they're used to uh, this front man or the, right. whatever. And well, certainly in the late eighties, early early nineties for sure. Yeah. And like I said, we we want to say happy birthday to Doug Pinnock, who is sixty eight years young this week. Uh, and that's what I'm saying. So when their first record came out in nineteen eighty eight. You know, like he was almost forty then. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so so it's never too late. And let me tell you, somebody else out there right now, never take any shit from anybody. If you like what you like and you like this band, and you're not hurting anybody, and they're not promoting hate, and in fact, if it's a band that is promoting love and tolerance and understanding, and the singer is six foot uh, ten with a giant mohawk. That's your shit, and don't take it. And don't let anybody else tell you anything different. Um, now, was there was there a, a period there? Because one thing I thought was interesting was that uh, you know when Doug came out as gay, um, there was this whole thing where suddenly uh, you know this hypocrisy where they were taking uh, King's X you know merchandise off of Christian bookstores and uh, bookshelves and stuff which of course is a bunch of bullshit so you know do you remember that period where you you know was there any backlash for you within within your 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 circle at that point um, I do remember that well um, I, I I certainly remember like reading yeah the that the other side of those like reading HM magazine which was heaven's metal there was a big interview <laughs> Never even heard of that. Yeah, oh yeah, and, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. The, it it was every you know everybody you know the 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 typical, especially like evangelical or or, or southern Christian kind of response to that is 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 what you would think it would be, and um, yeah, I mean th- th- those kinds of things were very important moments in my life because I'm you know growing up right. as, uh, coming up as a teenager and. Um, you know, seeing how kind of the church responded to that, how how even the fans, a lot of those 
fans responded to that and kind of, you know, you know, cast them out and especially Doug, you know. Um, and so, um, yeah, that was, that was, you know, one of those parts of those, that journey that I kind of went along with them for sure. on. And, um, and for me, like to, to see the kinds of guys they were, the kind of, you know, yeah, that they were all about love and support and understanding and, and just the way it just, it didn't really, it was like a contradiction in a sense, because what you were probably were told and taught in terms of faith, like how, how are we supposed to be hating these people that are promoting these things that, so was that probably the first moment where you had a, a, a maybe a crisis of faith at all? I, I think so. Yeah. I mean that certainly, I, um, Yeah. It was kind of something that was kind of a teachable moment there. It was kind of like your first time you were kind of informed. For, for me, it was kind of like when I found out that when, when, when you know, and that's the world's worst kept secret, but when I found out that Rob Halford was gay, like somehow to me that made him cooler. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like I love the idea that for all that that aesthetic of metal, of leather and, and chains and spikes came from a, a fucking gay uh, male uh, underworld uh, in the early 80s. Because by that point, you don't think there's anything more macho and anything more, you know, hetero. You know, in, in Western, Western culture, uh, leather represents freedom, you know, and, and, and almost in a rebellion kind of sense. So, so for me, finding out uh, the whole Doug thing, I just... For me, I, not only did, at the same time did it not phase me, but this, but unlike Rob Halford, I, I felt a sense of almost sadness for him. You know, they had a song called "Black Flag," which, of course, a bunch of ignorant people had turned into to uh, you know a, a different a different uh, uh, title altogether, and you know, just a bunch of unnecessariness. You know, but at the same time, it helped people like you kind of come to terms with their own. Uh, ideals about what faith represents, and we're like, well, hey, why are we why are we hating these guys? And then, especially when the other bands started, not because of of his of his coming out, but just they were always this kind of band that the other bigger bands kind of came to their defense of like they were always that band that it seemed like your favorite band like, you know, yeah. they, they were like a band's band. Uh, so let's get to some music here. So, Deedle, tell me something. Tell me something that, that that frames that period for you. Let's get to some music here. So, uh, man, probably the Ear Candy record. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just that whole record really is probably one of my favorites. And uh, Looking for Love, That I know that's like kind of one of their hits from that record, but that, that song, uh, the lyrics there, you know, he has that line, I, I think I lost my faith, and it's just it shocked me the first time that I heard it. Yeah. And, um, and he so, follows it up with that. I, I think I lost my faith and Oh, yeah. like, yeah, it's perfect. It's yeah. perfect. And, and looking for love because like, you know, in the Christian faith, God is love, you know? And, and it's like, it's just such a, an intense, you know, way he's looking for it, you know, and, and he's still, you know, still not finding yeah. it, and, and, and or in the places he thought he was going to find it, right? Exactly. Well, and I love that too because you know, for a lot of people, the ear candy record, I don't know, I it, for you, for me as well. To me, it's just as critical as it, uh, the in, 
entire catalog, but maybe not be one of a lot of people's go-to stuff. So if you have ever slept on the Ear Candy record, I implore you uh, to get it, check it out, uh, get into it. Like just literally let it become your obsession, and you'll see that it's it'll sit right there between Dogman and and all the other all the other great stuff here. So we're gonna do Looking for Love uh, from the album Ear Candy, uh, and stick around. We got a lot more coming up. Of course, we got the man himself, Doug Pennick, uh, is going to be coming up. He's going to be talking a lot uh, about a lot of diff- different topics. Um, there's a new King's X book coming out that uh, we'll be talking about. It doesn't come out till February, but you can actually can make your pre-orders now. And uh, we'll be right back after this. This is Looking for Love off of Ear Candy. such iconic classic films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Vulgar. Anyway, you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio. 
Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. Most people know me as Veronica from Clerks. It ain't 37. Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Hey, everybody. This is actor-musician Scott Schiaffo, best known from the Kevin Smith films Clerks and Vulgar. You are listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Oh, yeah. That's where it's at. Love that one, man. <laughs> uh, you know, and, it, it, and like you said, that that uh, the power of music to transport, like while we were hearing that and thinking about that, just like you said, like not only the first time that I heard him say that on the song, but the first time I saw him perform it live, you can just tell it's really one of those songs that um, it's just so heavy and it's such a statement and it's so fearless. Uh, and again, looking for love. I mean, it's, it sounds so simple, but it's, you know, there's a, it's, it's so powerful, isn't it? You know? Yeah. And, and like I said, there's a lot of, a lot of that stuff. There's a song off their first record called The Power of Love. Um, so, again, if you just joined us, um, my man Deedle Accorder is here with us. Uh, Deedle's a filmmaker. Uh, Deedle, you mentioned it earlier. You made a, a great movie about the, the descendants and all and that whole trajectory there called Filmage. Uh, where can people see that film? Um, man, these days, I mean, iTunes is and is always a good place, but um, you can, I think it's still on Hulu, all the places like Amazon Prime, and um, I mean, certainly our website, filmagemovie.com, you know, and, and Amazon, you can get Blu-rays and DVDs on Amazon, hard copies, and from our website, filmagemovie.com, but uh, really, Hulu, iTunes, Amazon, um, and uh, uh, yeah, and also can they, can they also order physical copies from your website as well? Yeah. is that yeah. correct? Physical copies from our website and from Amazon. So great, 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 great movie. I can't stress it enough because I told you this many, many times, Dito. Like you did something that how where any film should be judged as far as a barometer of success and for me it was this i don't didn't know anything about this the descendants i mean of course i you know worked and ran record stores my whole life i knew the people that bought them I, uh, those records and but there weren't anything i just i kind of missed that time um again if i was about five years younger maybe it would have hit me yeah. at the right time but uh but what i left with was a very not only deep understanding but i left with an appreciation i left i left with something that i won't forget I left there feeling good and interested, and and the message uh, that was there is these 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 great hardworking decent people just kicking ass and still kicking ass, you know. And it, being able to capture that was uh, was genius. So my hats off to you, my friend. Thank you. Uh, you can, of course, can find us. Uh, go on to iTunes and go to Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. That's Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. Click the subscribe button. You'll have shows just like this each and every single Thursday. Uh, we got a lot coming up, man. Uh, lots and lots of. Speaking of film, we have uh, Laura Lee Linklater. She's Richard Linklater's daughter. Remember, you might have saw her in Boyhood. Uh, we're going to have her on uh, next week uh, with a lots of other different, different special guests talking about some of her projects she's got coming up. Uh, the great creator of GI Joe, Larry Hama, he returns where we have a bunch more tributes and a lots and lots more fun. I uh, wanted to thank everybody uh, that's been writing in uh, about, uh, you might have heard him in the background a little while ago, but uh, yes, King Miles has arrived, and we thank everybody for, for asking about Jocelyn and, uh, and, and Miles, and we, and we thank you so much for all the encouragement uh, and all the love that you guys have sent our way. And um, 
We actually have something coming up pretty pretty special for us. We're uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks that I'm going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to be raising some awareness for a cause that we like. And, uh, and you'll be able to go to our website uh, and uh, go to trickykid.com uh, slash Miles' dad. And you that's, that's me because I am, I am now his father. <laughs> uh, and you will be able to, to learn a little bit more about what we have in mind here. So I'm, I'm very excited to kind of roll that out for you guys in the next couple of weeks. Uh, back to King's X here. Uh, you know, one thing that I love and one of my favorite stories that, that you tell was one of the shows that I didn't get to see in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, it was a little bit later because, uh, again, like I said, I would seen some of those same early shows that you saw. Uh, then you and I started running into each other at all the shows and then started hanging out and getting together and, of course, you know, becoming great friends. And now, of course, you know, almost a quarter of a century later, we're like family, which is great. Um, King's X brings people together. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you know what? What's so, what's so funny is that there was this one show, and I had, oh God, I had just got back into town or something, and I'd been on the road, and uh, I think I was on tour for a while. But they played kind of a kind of a of a odd location and kind of maybe not the the most prime market. Didn't you see some show from King's X like in Azel or something like? Yeah. And all I know is off the of Jacksboro Highway, <laughs> and that basically means the boonies out here, right? In, in DF Dallas Fort Worth. Um, yep, they. It was technically maybe in Fort Worth, but it was way north, and it was. I mean, a what year? What year was this? Like two thousand and three or something? I feel like that was. Uh, I feel like it was before three or four. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was before. Um, I guess the post metal blade, right era. Okay, but it w- so before so ogre tones was, was two thousand and eight. It was it was definitely before that. that. Okay, all right. Because I you know because I was thinking about it because you know that's what I love so much about again these guys is one thing that you when you think about them is you think about the hard work you think about thirty years in twenty years in whatever these guys. Uh, you know, on one hand, it could illuminate. Maybe they had a few lean years there, but I still love the fact is is that they're still going to bring that that integrity and that thing even at that time. What do you remember from that show? So, it was probably my favorite show just because I felt like I was at rehearsal because it was there was no st- and the stage was an inch or four inches or whatever and like you're I was standing right in front of them I could just touch Doug uh, and, and they were also very close together you know not like right. a big stage it was like they were right there you know so um, they played I mean the, the, the performance of course was incredible but it was that more important when you're literally I could like feel like the bass drum the air coming out of the bass drum like I could feel it like on my leg yeah like, yeah <laughs> because I was right there <laughs> yeah and the people that were there were diehard fans so we're all singing along and it was it was a special moment for us I'm, and the guys gate you know I think that, that it was such a and I'm, I, I I assumed that they got screwed by the promoter or whoever but basically because I'd seen them the previous time and they were at a you know a packed out club or whatever in dallas but they they still like they had fun with it right they had right a blast and they played their asses off like usual and um so yeah 
I just I do one specific details. I remember Doug doing his own like mix like for his <laughs> right. for his uh, in ear in ear monitors. He had a mixer right there, and he could. So he was do- doing it himself. Doing his own mix. See, yeah. I, that's why I love that story so much. I mean, for me, that frames the work ethic, the love for what they do, uh, even at that you know that stage. I mean, again, you know, you can do stuff like that in your twenties. These guys still tour, like and make you know making music and you know but like but like you said there was something else there is something about being at a king's x show that is so communal we talked about it on the other episode that i don't think i'd ever seen king's x in dallas um without uh either daryl uh dimebag or his brother Vinny, or both of them right next to me or up front or going crazy and of course the last time that i saw Vinny was was actually at that king's x show uh in dallas that Mm -hmm. we that, that we uh that we saw and um so, but I love the communal thing. Tell me another band where, like, during one of their songs, they're so confident that everybody knows all the words that they turn the microphones around. Not just kind of like, not like one time where, you know, the singer says the line and then he yeah, sticks the, the mic. repeat thing. Right, the call and response, the old right. hip-hop thing. No, it's like before they've played one note of this song, they just you know the song's coming because they turn the microphones around for Goldilocks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any other band. I mean, I've 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 been to Rush, and I know Kiss fans are pretty fanatical, and and I have my own love of of, of stuff. But it, there's just this sense of community. There's this brotherhood, um, or not just not to be gender specific, but you know what I mean. There's a just a a there's a lot of love there. Yeah. You know, what, you know, tell me something about, you know, we talked about that, that era and, but what was so funny, they seem to be just completely like emancipated after the whole Atlantic records thing. And, and then suddenly they were coming out with probably in my opinion, probably my, some of my favorite King's X stuff is the metal blade stuff, the tape head, uh, gosh, uh, Mr. Bulbous. I love manic moonlight. Mm-hmm. You know, these are three great, great, great records. Tell me what you, what there was a sense of for you, because you, because we were going to shows together around that time. Uh, tell me about the sense of of just artistic freedom that you felt from them around that time. I mean, I know, I know they had kind of taken over producing their own records, and I, I had a recording studio like even before, right? Of course, the, my film editing stuff started and so i deedles room i remember that of course um i loved that they were producing their own records and they had kind of taken charge of like hey we know we've done we've done the major label thing you know we've done jumping through the hoops we've worked with the big huge guy you know brendan o'brien on Dogman, the big producer we've done all that and so like at that point they were just like we're gonna do it our way now and we don't fucking care anymore because we've paid our dues we've that's proved, right you know we've we've jumped through all the hoops we uh and so it felt like artistically they were uh i mean they always musically have seemed artistically true but they really didn't have anybody in the way yeah there really seemed to be no chains this time and not that there ever appeared to be chains before but you wouldn't have known that because you didn't have a sense of you didn't have a comparison you had nothing to compare it to uh so after that it was it was almost like punk records almost in a sense i mean like stuff like that thing at the end of um 
of uh, of Tapehead with Wally Farkas and all oh, that. Yeah, that weird like jazz jam thing. That <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that was the first one post Atlantic, and I was like, man, there really are no rules here. Um, so without really any further ado, man, let's bring the man on. Uh, gosh, uh, Doug has been uh, so kind and so such a great. He's been so kind to me over the years, and such a such a generous person, and such a generous soul. He's, you know, you hear those things about you know never meet your heroes, and I'll tell you right now, for the most part, that is absolutely true. Uh, Doug Pinnock is somebody that has never disappointed, and has been so kind in exactly what uh, you would kind of hope the kind of person he would be. And I was so happy that he was uh, able to uh, uh, to join us again, not only for for last week, but uh, but for this for this coming up. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of stuff here. I'm going to let come from Doug's uh, uh, mouth and let him tell you all about it. Uh, and then we'll be right back uh, right after that with uh, with some... I have a, a long, uh, fun uh, working history with the, the band Clutch and uh, kind of worked with a side project of theirs for a while. And, and I love that band. Yes. It's, it's like when I got turned on to them, they had so many records out. I don't have a favorite record or that record that I sat down and went, oh my God, now I'm going to get into them. It, they, it's just been too awesome. I've heard one song here, one song there seen them live a couple of times and the thing i love about collects the main thing aside from the simple chords and rhythms that make you want to pick up your guitar and go jam out and that's fun that's so great about them yeah the, the riffs the riffs are real simple but they're really clever and cool and um and it's, it's the same i don't know what the fuck he's talking about but all i know <laughs> is when he gets to the when he gets to the chorus whatever he's saying i believe him that, you know, it's like that, that's he, it, right? He's just babbling like a preacher, pointing fingers and strutting around, and he gets to the chorus and says, "You should have listened." And I'm going, "Yeah, you should have listened." I'm listening, man. You know, it was like <laughs> you don't know what he's talking about, but it's real and it's exciting and it's urgent. <laughs> he is going to love hearing that. I can't wait to. I'm going to see him in a, in a few weeks, and I can't wait to tell him that and share that with him. Cool. So, I've never I've never met him. I love him. He is my preacher. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love his voice too. I love his voice, and I love his his ease on stage. And he just walks out and just gives his gives himself, and it's so so real and so um. And you can't turn around. You can't walk away. You go, oh, I'm listening. In fact, people told me this, man, you got to check out Clutch. They're like King's X when they're like the the band that. Only certain people just—they're like that fine wine, you know. That's right. And that's right. Okay, let's check them out. Well, that's what I've all and you know, there's going to be uh, a lot for the King's X fans uh, coming up because I wanted to mention that you guys now have uh, uh, this amazing book coming out called King's X: uh, The Oral Story that's available yeah. for, for pre-order right now on Amazon. Uh, talk a little bit about how that came to be. Um, I don't know how it came to be. I mean, I love books and I love it. I mean, I don't like to read. I just like books about my favorite rock stars. <laughs> me too, me too. And, uh, and uh, somebody said, you're going to make a book. I'm going, oh, here we go. Because, you know, when you write a book, you're talking about stuff that you haven't talked about or people learn things about you. And um, so we did We did it, you know. And um, I, it was very eye-opening to me to hear all the comments that, of, of from all the rock stars and friends and family people that talk in the book and uh i think for me the biggest thing was to hear ty and jerry's take on king's x which it, it's sort of like when you're in a marriage and you decide to have counseling and all of a sudden you go 
you mean all these years I didn't know you didn't like coffee? <laughs> and I've been, you know, or, you know, right, I mean? right, it's, right. It's something that simple. And then with this band, I just, you know, I'm not going to go into it because, but it was just some, some things I learned. And I, it gave me a different attitude and a different sort of knowledge of us and the people that I work with, my brothers, you know. For sure. But, I mean, but you guys have always, you know, from the outside, it always seems like you guys have such a, such great lines of communication. Um, you know, as a band, we're way better than most. I can say that, you know, it's like, I mean, we're still together and everybody else is woke up. So right, that's there's right. gotta be some method to the madness there. And we, we don't argue and we don't fight hardly ever. Um, you know, I mean, literally there's no screaming and yelling or cussing anybody out or anything like that. It's getting in your face. Like I did this and I did that. And you're just a piece of shit. You know, none of that stuff has ever come with us. We're just not that kind of people. But, um, um, but we have our idiosyncrasies as brothers, you know. Right, right. <laughs> well, you guys are also kind of spread out a little bit. I mean, you're you're in California, and uh, what ties and uh, didn't he move to Kansas or something like that? Yeah, he's in Kansas. And then Jerry. Even when we all lived in Houston, we never hung out. I mean, we're not we're not the kind of guys who hang out. Me and Jerry used to hang out sometimes, but then since he moved away, he's gone now. But uh, none of us. We're, we're all three of us are so different. We have a whole different set of people we hang out with. Right. And we just have, I mean, our personalities are drastically different. And so, you know, but we know that. And we're not offended if, if you know, if one, I mean, we all, I, I think from the beginning, we've all been individuals. It's not like, oh, three guys doing everything together. You hardly right. ever see us go out together. You ever see us do anything together, you know. And we don't even like the same music, most of us, you know. Um, and when the, when the band does collectively love something, it, it means a lot to us and the people and the bands like Pantera, for instance, all of us love Pantera right. and all of us love like Alice in Chains. And, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of bands out there that we've all become friends with and love. You know, I'm the big fan guy. I'm the guy that plays the music and listens to all the bands and goes out and sees them. Ty and Jerry don't go out much. Jerry goes out a lot now with, uh, with, uh, cause, um, uh, Julie goes out all the time to see bands, so he's always going out. But, uh, back in Houston, those two never hardly did anything. Jerry went out with his, he'd take his kids out all the time to see Pantera, always. Right. But, uh, other, other than that, you know, I, hardly ever I would see Jerry at a, uh, another concert and never tie. I don't think we've ever been to a concert together, me and Ty. But that's interesting too, because it's also, yeah, true. Um, we're not like the, that gang of guys who hang out and live in the same house and all that kind of stuff. Not at all. Never, never was really. I mean, we all lived in my house at one time, way back at the beginning. And Jerry, Jerry did not though. He was married at the time, so he was down the street with his wife and kids right. at the time. But um, even when Ty lived with me, I I'm up all day and he was up all night. He was a, he, at back then he'd wake up around five in the afternoon and stay up till the sun came up. Oh and, my and, and and some of the other guys in the entourage, we had road crew and other people too that lived in my house. So it was like a two shifted thing, you know. Right. Half the day, you know, and nobody slept at the same time. Literally, I'd be getting up and Ty'd be going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's a, that, that is, and we, that is and interesting. We, we never did like even listen to the same kind of music. If I put something on, he hates it, and so I don't play it. And when he puts something on, I'm going, nah, nah, I'm, I'm not into that, you know. And I just kind of go to my room and play my stereo. We, we really were a lot different from each other. 
but it's so interesting that how how you found each other as as literally your your musical soulmates uh, in the most un- unlikely place, you know. Yeah, they are. I mean, uh, I always tell people when you find the right guys, don't get rid of them. Keep them and work it out. You know, I mean, it, it Led Zeppelin. You know, you two. You can go down the list of bands that people that might not um, necessarily have been in a different uh, people feel like they kind of know you guys and know King's X but mm-hmm. you guys have got to have the most undocumented story I've ever uh, the most important undocumented story I think I've- to all those bands because we came out a couple years before them and they all turned their heads and then all of a sudden when we'd show up we'd all hang out and meet them we'd find out they were all big fans and and you know I mean I know people don't want to uh, nobody says this but i truly believe that there is a bit of king's x in almost all rock and roll today just a little bit i can hear it bands ever mentioned us it was you know when they're doing interviews when they're doing mtv whatever who's with oh black uh, black sabbath and and ben halen they said all the stock right things all the time they never would mention king's x and i'm thinking well so-and-so just told me that keep writing good music so they can rip us off. Or someone says, man, I got that rip from you. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going, wow, and nobody got, and Jeff Amit was the only one that said, uh, gave us any credit on MTV, and I never saw it. So I don't even know if it really happened or not. But but yeah, no one ever ever, uh, put us in that, the category of inspirations. And I know we were, we just were. Well, 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 Doug, when we get the chance, we do, and, and if there's people that like what we do, good. We just keep on going, you know. We just keep it humble. I'm a very, I'm a person that wants to keep ego out of right. everything. I That's just, right. I, it's just, just it, it, it just turns people off. Cruising along, playing clubs, playing for you know, small crowds, and and killing it, and having a having a love. I call them love fest. Now we just walk on stage and it's a love fest. The crowd sings everything. We hang out. We do the meet and greet, and it's a, well, almost like a big family reunion. That's right. And that's how I. That's how I like the legacy of King's X to be. In two to three days, I'm almost seventy, and I'm still doing what I do, and and having a good time and kicking the, kicking out the jam. So that's what I want want people to see is you, you don't stop we keep doing this That's right. and, and 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 i want to encourage people not to give up so many people give up and put timelines on and if i'm not if i don't make the time i'm 30 or if i'm not doing this by the time I, I'm, I'm gonna quit and do something else and i'm going then then you might as well quit now That's right. you know this is this, this is the adventure real license you know you get out there and do it you don't get your mark till you're dead so do it. You know, I mean, everybody wants recognition early at a young age and want to be rock. So I'm going, no, how do anybody know who I am? But one day when I'm gone, you know, there'll be a story, you know, and people will go out and buy the Doug records and whatever, and then they'll fade away like everybody else. But, but to me, that's the way it is. It's all about leaving a legacy and enjoying the, the journey as you're going along. And that's what I see is, you know, smell the roses and keep going. I'm lucky people come still see us. I'm, I don't cry because it's not 100,000. You know, if it's 40 people, I'm, I go, wow, not too many people tonight. But, well, they're here, and I'm going to give them every 120% of what I am and who I am because that's why I do it. And, For those, and King's X has always been that way. People will tell you, even back in the day, when there was nobody around, they said we played like we were playing in the arena. And we always did. 
Well, I've been going to King's X shows for uh, since 1990, so I uh, oh, I can attest that. And bless you, Doug, for saying that. And and again, you still continue to be an inspiration uh, to me personally. I I couldn't. It would be impossible to exaggerate the inspiration that you you've meant to me personally. Oh, thank you. And thank you. you and and let me be the first to, to, to be the say happy birthday to you if somebody hasn't already. <laughs> no one has, so thank you. <laughs> let me be the first. There you go. And and you mentioned uh, uh, about kick you know you know kick out the jams. So you you did those uh, MC fifty shows, but uh, but found that it wasn't quite the right fit for you. Right, I did three songs with him. Um, for me, I was ready to keep going and do it because I, you know, I just wanted to be the bass player driving the band like a bass player does. But, but I, I'm not a fit, you know. Um, um, I'm a little, how do you put it? I, I like to say it this way: a little too much Doug, <laughs> 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 you know, and and that's okay, you know. And and Wayne admitted that, and you know, it's like he said to me, he says, "No, you need to go." front your band and do what you do you're you're bigger than this uh in you know in my presence and he didn't just didn't feel right for me being back in the corner playing bass and the other thing too was it's his show and i wanted to make it his show and so i stepped up and played and i drove that shit and i realized that punk music and that kind of music it's more driven by guitars yeah and my my tone is humongous and you know the first time we played everybody goes dude um, can you turn down just a little? I can't hear anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, second show I turned down, then Wayne said, turn back up. And so I did. And it was sort of like, it was just, I never could, could find my, my niche. And there's a lot of different stops and starts in the songs um, that, because the songs are real simple, but there's all these little nuances that you have to remember. And I was just having a hard time remembering all of that. Suck songs up, hitting wrong notes in crucial times. And so that was going on. Plus, all of them pretty much are clean and sober, basically. They don't drink, do drugs. I drink, I smoke weed. You know, I'm having a shot at Patron walking on stage, and they're walking on going, uh-oh. You know, and I'm fine. I wasn't out of control or nothing, but but uh, it just it, we just didn't fit. Right. They're, a, they're even into a different type of music. I mean, the music that they talk about and they're into, they're, they're freaks for, you know, and I don't even know these bands. You right, know, right. Like, I went to see the helicopters last week. They were phenomenal. I'm going, who's the helicopters? Who's the, <laughs> yeah. who are, you know, they, they, they just are um, a different genre. And I learned a lot, which was pretty cool. I learned a lot about punk rock. I learned a lot about attitude and the method to it. Um, and so it was a very good learning experience for me, um, enough to, for me to take what I've learned and incorporate it into what I do. Well, which was very exciting. Well, and how, Wayne said that Wayne said that he wanted us to uh, hopefully we get together and do something else together sometime. And the other thing about Wayne and me is we're both fans of each other. Right. Wayne's got my records. Wayne saw my videos and everything, and I've watched everything he's done. And we've actually sat and talked about it. And he read my book that just came out, and I'm getting ready to read his. And we talked about our childhood and our parents and the similar situations that we went through. So we're good, good friends. I love that guy. Okay, so, so cause that's what I was going to ask. Was, was, it, was it just like a desire for Wayne to just, he just wanted to play with you? Because I was wondering how that came yeah. about. Yeah, he picked all the people that he loved. And he said, I'm one of the best bass players he's ever seen and known and singers. And he just was honored that I would even say yes and do this, you know. And 
So that was really, really good. Kind of embarrassing to get fired, but I laugh about it now because I tell people, say, what happened? I go, I got fired. And they go, huh? <laughs> and we just crack up laughing. <laughs> and I did. He came over to the house and fired me and gave me a severance check, which was, was a, a, a very hefty check, which made me go, okay, I didn't really get fired here. I just... Okay, this isn't. It wasn't like being fired, <laughs> right? Because if you get fired, you don't get a severance check, and you don't get the love that I got, you know. And everybody in the band, they all called me up and said, "I'm so sorry, man. I can't believe it." Blah blah blah. But we talked to Wayne. And Wayne just said, "It's a fit thing. That's it. Nothing else." So nobody t- took it any further, you know. Well, that's totally cool too, because I mean, again, I you know, he had the desire, found out that it didn't work, he handled it well, and and that's mm-hmm. that speaks to him and also his reputation, and yeah. uh, and you'll dig the book, man. I just finished it, so I think that you'll uh, that you'll you'll like it a lot. And speaking of books, um, I'm also uh, reading the the Chris Smith book uh, just on you. Oh um, yeah, I just started it. Uh, okay. So how did how did how did that how did you get approached to have all that all that going on? Well, I've, I've known Chris for years, since back, probably 1988, when the record came out. He interviewed us a couple of times for Crying Magazine. And his wife, Cindy, worked at KLOL. She was a music program director. So when King's X came out, Houston band, KLOL took us under their wings and got to meet everybody. They played King's X in the radio. We'd go down there and hang out, you know, when they were doing, uh, when some of the DJs were on, on live, you know, and stuff like that. And um, it just through osmosis, we all became good friends. And one of my best friends, and he was my tech for a while, Colby McKinney, he was, he's really, I've made maybe one of Chris's best friends. So it, it's sort of like a little family deal. I and see. Um, one day, one day he just said, hey man, let me write a book on you. I'm going, well, I don't have time to deal with this, but go for it. Here's what you do. Call a whole bunch of people up and, and have them give their take on me. I said, I'll, 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 I'll talk in the book, but I don't like talking about myself. I don't like bragging about myself, and I don't like, you know, I just don't like telling myself, like, look at me, look what I did, or, oh, poor me, look what happened. You know, it's it's very embarrassing, but I do it because, you know, people want to, want to know you know, things. But uh, so anyway, the book, basically, he just went on and did it. It took him about six, seven years. And then one day he says, I'm done. And I'm going, oh, he sent me the the, the, the thing to read, to proofread it. And I'm going, oh, okay. I didn't know that this is who I am. <laughs> Which is cool. You know, I mean, you're talking to your best friend in, in high school when you're 14. Right. And, he's, you know, he says, oh, so did you know Douglas Gay? Oh, yeah, we all knew Douglas Gay. Because uh, he didn't talk about girls like the rest of us did. I didn't know that. I thought I was fooling everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, just down the line, there's so many little things that they would go, you know, when I thought nobody cared, and I was out there playing music and running around town doing my thing, and I thought nobody paid attention when, you know, they were all saying, yeah, we knew he was going to do something because he was obsessed with that stuff, and he did this, and he was always singing, and he was always, always. And I'm going, oh. That is me, and I'm glad that they said it instead of me. You know, right for for, for sure. But I mean, so it wasn't interesting because we always have we have the honest self, and then we have the projected self. Did mm-hmm. you feel like that by reading that book that the those two things that the margin was became less and less, or was it wider and wider? It was it was so real that I haven't let my mother read it. Okay. Wow. She every now and then she says, "Hey, I you got a book. I want to read it." I go, "Okay, I'll get you one, mom." And I, I, to this day, every day I wake up and go, I gotta, she's going to read it. 
And, you know, because, you know, me and my mom, you know, the, it, when you read the story, you'll see our relationship. And we don't talk about it much. And I don't know if she realizes how it really devastated me. Um, and in the book, she's going to see that. Um, but, but hopefully in a way that doesn't make her look like the bad guy. You know, and, right. I, and that's a fun, one thing I'm going to tell her. I said, Mom, you know, in this book, sometimes it makes you look like you're a bad mom. But at the end, I hope I fixed it. You know, because at the end, when she told me that I was taken from her and, and I didn't know that I mean, my great grandmother literally would tell me my mother didn't want to be bothered with me. And it was bullshit. My grandmother lied and I believed her and I held it against my mother all my life. And so the book, basically, at the end of the book, I explain what had happened and how our relationship is great. And she's one of the greatest people I've ever met. But back in the day, I wasn't open to anything. And I couldn't see anything because right. I was just so kind of hurt and mad. And when I did move in with her, I just felt like she don't care about me. And, and so she's disciplining me or, you know, being a mom like you're supposed to. Right. Whenever she had to, whenever she had to, I thought she didn't love me, which was dumb. But that was all I knew. And I and I didn't couldn't say that to her. I didn't. We, at back then, you know, kids didn't really sit down and talk to their parents and tell them how they felt. Nobody, the kid was supposed to be quiet and keep his mouth shut and be good. And that was it. And so that's what I did. I held it all in until she finally explained to me way long time. I was about 60. And I said, I hated living with grandma. I hated it. I never wanted to live with her. She says, well, they wouldn't let me take you. And I'm going, now you tell me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, the the thing about my mom was that she never wanted to throw anybody under the table. She never would. She would never, she would never get on anybody's case who treated her like shit. Yeah. So she never, she never blamed anyone. She never was mad at anyone. And uh, I remember the reason why I got kicked out, where she got kicked out of the house, was a relative was pretty much adamant about getting her out of the house. They were just mad because she had a child out of wedlock and they were just, she's the disgrace of the family. Right, they right. gave they gave my mom and my grandma so much trouble. My grandma just said, you got to go, but you can't take Dougie. You got to, he's got to stay here. And uh, she didn't want to, but my two uncles said, no, he needs to stay here. This is, this is the place for him. You go. Yeah. And she left, you know, poor thing. I don't know how she felt. Must have broke her heart. Who knows? She never talks about it, ever. She doesn't talk. My mother doesn't talk about anything. I don't know anything about her other than she's my mom. But what a... G <laughs> and even, even when she mentions my dad, it's like when I say Herman Bates, she goes, Herman Bates. Hmm. That's all my mother has ever said to my dad in 60 years, 68 years of my life. life. Wow. Hmm. And so she never, she never, she never throws anybody under the bus. But, but my aunt, who was was vocal in getting her out of the house, and said, "Mom, why don't you tell me Edgar did that?" I would have been so mad, you know. She said, "No, you guys had a relationship. You got along with her. She was good to me." And Edgar was. She was one of the only relatives that was. She wasn't a Christian, so she let me listen to rock music. She let me go to the dance at school, and right. she let me do the things that every kid wanted to do when she was watching me when my grandmother would leave and i had to stay with my with, with my aunt she was just as liberal as she could be and that's what i needed because with my great-grandmother i couldn't do nothing i couldn't dance i couldn't listen to rock music you know everything was sin you couldn't cuss you couldn't drink you couldn't you know and and she was just disgusted with anyone who wasn't kosher and yeah. she talked about him like a dog and she made me feel like if i was like them i was a terrible person too and i'd go to church and the preacher to be screaming if you dance you're going to hell if you're 
you're homosexual, God is going to destroy you. And if you you drink, you know, you're going to sin and you're in sin. And if you smoke cigarettes, you know, and all this stuff. Right. And I sat there all my life as a little kid going, okay, okay. And so as I grew up, I gained a very healthy hatred for myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I And I said to my mom, I said, Mom, how did you do it? Because you were raised by the same woman. Right. My great-grandmother raised my mother, too. That's what y'all have in common and, right there. Yes, yes. And she said, oh, I did what I wanted. She said, Grandma wouldn't let me do nothing. I just snuck out. She said, I knew I was going to get spanked, but I just did it anyway. And I put on some thick, long underwear when I went to bed because she knew, she knew my grandma was going to come in and whip her. My grandmother would wait till we went to bed. And when we were out cold sleeping, she would get a switch or a belt and come in the room and pull the covers up and beat that shit out of it. Oh, my God. Screaming and yelling at us out of nowhere. I told you, Papa, I told you, I told you, I told you. And then she'd walk in the room and slam the door, just mad. And I'm going, wow. But she'd always wait till you sleep. God. Have you ever, I mean, have you ever spoken directly to your mom about all of this? Um, no, not really. Well, you um, know, there was no need to because she was raised the same way. But here's the thing in my family is, my great grandmother had um, ten kids, and wow. they're all my great—they're great aunts and uncles. One is turning a hundred next month. Uh, my aunt Martha, she's turning a hundred. So it, it's a big family of in a, a lot of love. Don't get me wrong, yeah. great family of love, laughing, and lots of people, lots of kids. I had like seventeen cousins who were my age or a year older or younger. Damn, I mean, we were at oh seriously, I had. Uh, 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 two uncles and an aunt. One uncle my age, my other uncle was a year younger, and my aunt a year younger. Oh okay, my, my mom and my and my grandma were having kids at the same time. So there was a lot of it. So I never had any felt any rejection at all amongst everybody. It was just one big party. But when I went, but I, when I went home to my great grandmother who raised me, that was a whole nother world. And she was pretty isolated. The rest of the family never came to see her. Um, I've never seen any of the spouses of her children ever walk into the house and say hi to my grandmother, great grandmother at all. The kids never came in the house either. Um, they stayed outside and played. My grandmother was just, she was so particular yeah. and so, so in her way that, you know, pretty much she drove everybody out of her life. And so for me, I sat there with her dealing with it all when everyone else knew what was going on but never said nothing because they were used to it right right you know and and so that's the way it ended up so and that's like i said back backtracking to my mom i said how did you deal with it and she dealt with it the opposite my mother's more narcissistic she does what she wants to she she has a good time and she don't care and um i'm the opposite i'm the little sensitive one that you tell me i did something wrong and i'll sit there and cry and beg you for forgiveness because i think you hate me because yeah. you're mad at me you know, I'd, I've never been able to distinguish it to if somebody's mad at me. I'd say, well, I've lost them. It's over. They'll never speak to me again. And I'd never understood unconditional love because nobody ever kind of showed it to me. It was always either either you had to be something or nobody gave a fuck about you. And so that's what I did. I'm up in front of people singing and doing what I do, the ringleader, because that's the only way I, that I felt like I could function is to, to have friends. I had to go out and find them. I had to go get it. Right. Go after it, you know. Even the band, you know. A lot of people, and even some of my room, my my, my bandmates, you know, they would rather sit there and wait for somebody to open the door for them, and they might go through the door. Me, I'm beating the door down 24 hours a day. Yeah, 
What's and, the, what's and, the and James drag, Brown and line dragging, about? And dragging everybody behind, and dragging everybody with me. Put it that way. <laughs> but isn't it isn't it so profound how all of that shaped you and and it became something that that you probably probably couldn't even possibly have imagined. No, that, I still don't at that time and I was going to say something else Doug is it what a gift my friend is that you actually still have your mother where you actually could say these things to her um, and and have a conversation about that you know well we, we have conversations and they get they're getting better and better that's good nothing's really deep yet but we can talk now without me getting mad and starting an argument I see because that's the thing I always I had an attitude and no matter what she told me I wanted to challenge her on it and argue with her all the, all the time until one day my brother said Douglas that's your mother humor her right stop this and I stopped and I would let her talk and let her say what she wanted to and just listen and as a result of it I started to see my mom as a woman a beautiful woman who loved her children and had a hard life too her life was probably harder than mine for yeah. all I know you know I would be remiss if I didn't mention that right now, like literally right this second, is Aretha Franklin's funeral today. And, yeah, I know. And, uh, you know, I was unfortunately... See that video that my buddy Wally posted of, of we were, we were, I was at his house and we were drinking and smoking out, and and he he's a big um, vinyl buff, and he, he has a 45 record player. The, with the big spindle and they drop and the needle bolt nice. comes down, you know, and um, he and he put on um, Doctor Feelgood by Aretha, and this was ten, fifteen years ago, and I remember I loved that song so much, and the whole time we listened to the song, I sang along to it, I talked about it, and I mimicked it in many ways, and at the end, I just lip synced it. And um, I thought I looked really bad and stupid because I'd been drinking and stuff, but Wally said it showed how intensely I listened to my peers because I knew I had every nuance that you did. And I noticed that a lot of singers don't do that anymore. They don't learn the nuance, which means they don't have any passion. That's right. They just can, they can sing good. And most of the singers nowadays, and I don't quote me, but most of the singers that I listen to nowadays, I go, man, you got great pipes. You got, you can do this, but I don't feel you. I'm not feeling anything because you just, you're, 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 you're a emotion. You're, you're creating, emotion that you don't understand so i don't get it because you're trying to act it out but you got to feel it you got to understand then you got to go to a black church pretty much where when someone gets up to sing they say the right words hit the right note and the whole whole church jumps up and down and runs out the door screaming you know it, right. it, it's all about learning it you have to learn it this is not something that just comes you know, I, I didn't just wake up and could sing. I had to learn how to sing this way. And and it was from listening to other people and singing there and listening. And singing along with Aretha and Stevie Wonder, those are the two people that I sang along with note for note. I would pick that needle up and listen to a half of a phrase and go back and forth so I could do it exactly like they did it. The, the, you know, the vibrato, the, the way they hit the notes and everything. Um, that's important. And in that in that video that we're doing, that's what you could see. And I didn't realize it until Wally brought it out. And But but it really made me happy to, to say, this is my tribute to her. This is how much I love her. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal to me that she died. And you know, the funny thing though is, because I'm older and everybody's old anyway that my peers, I don't get shocked. I'm waiting for them. They're all gonna die. Right, you know, right. And I'm, and I'm gonna get there too. So when I hear Rita guys that, you know, 89, I'm going, wow, well, she did her thing, and, 
you know, and now we look back and go, hey, and I think about myself, go, yeah, that's going to happen to me one day, and people are going to have to do that too. The, the, the Doug Pinnock tribute, and, you know, and I always wonder if anybody will show up, will there be a big deal, will anybody care? But, uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be gone, doesn't matter, I guess. But, you know, for me, it's like now it's what I'm leaving, not what I'm doing, because I'm at that age, you know. I only got, you know, if I live to 100, I got 30 years. Yeah. That's not fucking long at all. You know, my dad died when he was 75. And, uh, you know, I was I was around Lemmy when he died at 70. Yeah. And I'm just going, man, I'm at that age. So let's, so I see things differently now. And you see probably when we video us and do it, I'm not the same guy like I used to be because it's it's more like I'm I'm looking back at the past and getting getting away from all the shit that used to bother me that I never could fix or it never mattered anyway. And I'm starting to smell the roses to see the overwhelming love that people have for me and respect and adoration, which I never could see before because I hated myself so much. There's, you could tell me I was God and I looked at you like, okay, thanks. And I just walk away and go, okay, why do I suck on this record? And man, why do they hate me? And why I'm so old and ugly now. And look at your face, you're getting wrinkles. And you know, I'm a, I'm a very good at self-hating myself because no one ever told me when I was growing up that I was okay. Pretty much, right, know? right. But you know what? Everyone talks about like just how good you look, though. Like <laughs> that's what people talk about. They were like, "He's how?" You know, I I get it every day, and I look in the mirror, and I just go, "I don't know what you guys see," because I'm just a skinny rail with 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 lines all over his face. You know, I never ever thought I was anything. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I thought we never made it. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, well, I'm not Chris Cornell, or I'm not Laney, or I'm not Robert Plant. I'm not that hot singer up there. Sting, he was really good looking. I just feel like I'm just kind of like the goofy black guy up there singing with the long, long skinny arms, you know, and, and people love what I do, but I never ever thought I was, you know, should, should be on the front cover of a magazine or anything like that. Yeah, but you got in that. In fact, in fact, when I was on the front cover of magazines, I cringed. I remember getting off the plane one time in London and I'm walking down, I'm downtown in Soho or somewhere and I was going shopping or something and I go by this music or this um, magazine thing and there was a display, it was six feet tall and wide as a door. And they were nothing but cranes from the top to the bottom. The same issue, but it was just like a whole door. Like wall, right. And my, face, and my face is there grinning. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm hitting the nose and I'm looking over at the camera and I grin. And my teeth back, back then were very crooked. And I hated it, and I didn't like wanting anybody to see my teeth, so I hardly ever smiled back then. Mm-hmm. You always notice in the early days, I was never really, you never saw my teeth. And all my teeth are there, and I'm walking down, and I see my crooked teeth <laughs> on the front cover of a magazine, and it is the display. And I just, <laughs> oh, God, I was so upset. And then I thought, well, it kind of broke the ice, because now, whatever I see, I just go, okay, that's me. I can hate that picture. I can think I look the worst in the world, but I go, well, they've seen me that way. They've seen me in every way I can be, so I'm not going to cry about this no more. Just This is who you are, and nobody's telling you you're ugly, and nobody's telling you you don't belong, so quit telling yourself that. That's, that, that's right. But, you know, you've also got that Iggy Pop thing going, man, because even when people age, yeah. you see them as, as older, but sometimes you start seeing them as, as fragile. And there is, mm-hmm. and you know, with Iggy, he still seems as just unstoppable and invincible as he ever did. And I can offer you that same perspective, man. You still got that. No, no one's talking like, man. Those guys are have seen better days. It's the opposite. They're like, man, what you know, 
know, what deal did that guy make to, <laughs> to still wow. look, look this good and just feel and still project that same invincibility, you know? Wow. Oh, wow. You know, one thing I can do say, the only thing I can say for sure about myself and who I am is that because I've never had a relationship and I've never, basically that's it. I've never had a relationship with someone. I've lived alone all my life and I've never let anyone in. Um, it's given me a lot of time to focus on a whole lot of stuff that most people can't focus on because they're too busy trying to be something for somebody else. Right, you know right. Or have kids. I don't, I've never had kids, nothing like that. So, so I've never experienced it, but you know, when I see a friend struggling because he can't pay his bills and he's having a panic attack because he's got four kids and he doesn't know how to, you know, he doesn't know how he's going to get the bills paid. I've never experienced that. I don't understand it. I don't know that. But then I look around and go, oh, this is a common thing. Everybody, the, th the common things that everybody experiences, I never have. Basically, a relationship and a family, a responsibility, having to work to pay bills for your family, um, you know, having to answer to someone else, um, to include someone in your life, no matter what you do, whatever your decision is, you have to think about the kids, the wife, or whatever. Right. You know, I've never, ever done that. So for me, I'm just this little kid in the field running around chasing butterflies, and I still am. And so, so, so the youthfulness you're saying the answer to the fountain of youth is isolation. <laughs> well, you know, it's it, it, sadly enough, I guess maybe it is. But the other thing too is when I explain this to people, don't understand. My mother and my father both both sides of the family have a longevity thing; they don't age. My 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 grandmother, my on both sides, died with no wrinkles under the uh, under the eyes. You know, and they get into their hundred, they get into the nineties, late nineties. My aunt Martha is. 100 now and she has no crow's feet she has none that's unbelievable okay. right and so so on both sides of my family they all look young and people in the town and and, and friends and stuff go man y'all never age but the thing is i'm a i'm a, i'm the only child of of those two families so okay. both families have a longevity thing but i'm the one that the two came together so i got both genes so I'm, I look younger than all my brothers and sisters, and I got 14 of them, and they all look younger than you can believe, okay? But I still look younger, and my, my brother, who was five years younger than me, when we'd go out, he'd say, just tell him you're my younger brother. I go, David, I'm going to lie, he goes, no, you're my little brother. I go, okay. Everybody believed it. I just, it just never, even my dad, he was like 40 years old before he looked like he was 21, and my mother used to tell people that I was a brother because she didn't want him to know she was as old as she was. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I always make so that... I... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, and, and the other thing about, uh, about you know, people asking how I stay so trim and fit, um, from, the, from the time I remember, old people used to always complain. Old people were always sick. Old people just seemed like they were miserable. Yeah. And I'm going, I don't want to be like that. And I was 21... In, you know, in 1971, and somebody says, you know, sugar's bad for you, salt's not good for you. We don't do it. We don't do sugar or salt. I'm like, really? He says, yeah, this does this to your body and that. I'm like, okay, let me check it out. And all of a sudden, I started getting into it to the point where I learned how to eat right, what was good, what was bad, uh, you know, learning. And then I started reading uh, Men's Health magazine and about your body and what, how you can keep it. Uh, to and, and my whole thing is, it ain't that I want to look good. 
my thing is to be healthy enough that when I'm 90 years old, I can walk on stage and rock out, that I can still run up a run up a flight of stairs. That's right. You know, that's that that's what I'm looking for. And and luckily, I have a, the good genes to do it too. And so I tell people, and especially young people, um, I say, look, if you got the genes, work it now. Don't wait because when everything falls apart, then you're gonna it's gonna be so hard to get back to that. And you probably won't. Because it's just, it's a whole lifestyle. You gotta, you gotta have a lifestyle. You gotta wake up in the morning and you gotta eat your food right. You know, you gotta eat the right things and you can't. And, and the, the point though is that people think that diet or that kind of stuff, you have to work at it and you're miserable and you walk around hungry today. I can't eat till four o'clock. No, that doesn't happen at all. I eat when I want to and it's usually around three o'clock. I'm just not hungry. And when someone says, let's go have breakfast. And I go, well, okay, let's go. And I'll may- maybe have a egg or uh, some toast because I'm not hungry. I go, I'm not hungry, but I'm hanging. Right. You know, and they eat, man, eat. I'm going, no, it's, just, I, it's, it's not, I'm not hungry, you know. And so I learned that, you know, you just got to, it's, it's all about a lifestyle. That's right. Me. That's right. And it would be a sin, and too. Work, and working out always. I don't sit down yeah. all day. I stand up all day. I don't sit down, and that's the biggest thing. I have a friend who's a mailman. He's been a mailman for 40 years, and he's he's probably pushing 60 by now, and he's still thin as a rail and, and in shape because he walks all day. That's right. Weighing after 10 years, walking all day, and I'm going, wow, that does it. It's that simple? Yeah. You just walk a half hour every day. I'm going, come on, people. <laughs> That's right. That's what I always say. You eat right, move your body around. That's, you know, no, no, right. no get, you know, slim, quick type kind of scheme. You know, eat right, move your body around. There you go. Right. And, you're, and your, body, your body will regulate itself when you, you teach it. It's not in a family and you start giving it good, healthy food. If you give yourself good, healthy, nutritious food, it's not going to want more. And it's not going to want to binge. The only reason we're always hungry is because we are hungry because we're eating shit and there's nothing in it. And after we eat, you know, eat a pizza or, or a McDonald's and our body says, look, I didn't get anything. I got both, but I'm not getting anything. I'm hungry. Yeah. So you go get another hamburger. That's right. That's right. You're look, looking for more grease and sugar and salt. And the body says, oh, man, this is not what I want. More and more. Eat more. That's right. And well, what, do, what do I do with all this fat and stuff? My body says, well, I guess I'll just put it in your stomach and... You know, I mean, we'll leave it there for right now because, you know, you're starving to death and we need to fatten you up so that you don't stutter. You and, know, and it's, it's all about teaching yeah. your body. And it's so funny how, how, how it's it's so simple, um, you know, to do that. And it seems that yeah. people don't seem to ever, ever figure that out or, or. You know, like I said before, it's because they're married, they got kids, they got relationships, they don't have time. Right, right. They don't have time to focus on it. Or you know, to prioritize, I mean, my friends yeah. would say, man, I want to get up and, and do push-ups, but as soon as I wake up, I got to get my kid to school, and I got to blah, blah, and I got, and before I know it, you know, I'm late for work, and I haven't even done any push-ups. And I'm going, yeah, I understand. And so I just kind of go, you know, everybody has to work it out themselves, however they can do it. That's right. But I, I, for, yes. You're a good man. Thank you. Thank the you, sir. It excites me. Do what I can do. It. That's what I, when people tell me that, too, they go, dude, you know, because you do this, that's why I get up every morning and do this, you know, and I keep going. Don't give up. 
That's you right. Know? That's live right. Live your dream. Live your dream. Do what you love to do. Life is too short. It's way too short uh, to do what you don't. Looking forward to it, man. Thank, listen, Doug, thank you so much for, 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 for doing welcome. this today, man. This has been so awesome. And, uh, Labor Day weekend. Again, happy birthday. And uh, we'll, Thank you. And we'll be in touch, Doug. Okay, brother. Thank you, brother. I'll talk to you soon, man. Hey, what's up? This is Rick Ockberger, the WWE sign guy. Oh, my Lord. Oh, man. God. Learned a lot in that one. Love hearing him. I know, man. And, and I mean, he really... It was so generous again, you know, and, and what an open book. And, 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 and I like what he said. He says one point in there, and you heard him say about uh, how he feels like such a different person uh, now and, and, and just so giving. And, you know, we've been listening to this band again for over a quarter of a century and still still learning more. Totally. And yeah. it just confirms the, uh, you know, just it solidifies, you know, like, like as if we had any reason to love this band anymore, right? Yeah. He mentioned uh, the book coming out called The Oral History of King's X, and we wanted to talk about that just for a second. It doesn't come out till February, but the pre-order is already up on Amazon. Uh, go ahead and jump on that. The author is a guy named Greg Prado, and Greg has written two dozen books, uh, all pretty much uh, rock and roll oriented. So he, he knows his way around the, the rock and roll world there, and it finally gives these guys kind of a chance to... Um, uh, to kind of hear from them directly um, and kind of hear it like like from them. So I think that's, uh, so I'm very, very excited about it. I know that there was another book, uh, and, you know, Doug mentioned this too. Uh, an author named Chris Smith, who's a longtime great friend of Doug, wrote a book um, uh, about Doug, and I actually haven't read it yet, but you have. Yep. So what's the name of the book? God. Like the, un- the the authorized yeah bi- I, it has yeah. a name I'm oh, God I'm sorry I yeah. can't even remember yeah no worries I think it's called the authorized biography of Doug Pinnock yeah it has a name like I can't remember yeah and then yeah so um, yeah I got the Kindle version and read it on a plane um, basically and blew through the whole thing I just couldn't stop reading and. Um, I mean, there's a lot of information, a lot, especially a lot of stuff about when Doug was a kid and um, with his mom and grandma and dad and uncles. And it just it goes into great depth about um, how Doug grew up. And well, um, and as you heard in the interview just now, too, I mean, he goes, you know, so generous with his time and so so so, so trusting with his words and uh, and. and but what did what did you get from 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 that book that maybe you didn't you didn't know? You know, I, I learned a lot about Sam Taylor and and how and and kind of how long these guys were even before Sam Taylor, how long they were a band before they were King's X. Yeah, because they played. They were like backing bands for. All, all these, ironically, like Christ, big, large Christian artists, um, and uh, so they, they, you know, they got tight probably playing long before they were even King's X, and and well, yeah, these guys didn't decide at forty. Hey, let's start a band, you yeah, know. Yeah, and I just I didn't know, and and even like sneak preview, which was like their, they were is kind of their answer to like the police and the cars like they kind of had that little almost punkish kind of thing going on which is weird to think of like ty (laughs) (laughs) but uh just kind of all that 
the early the early development of their i guess musical chemistry uh in in those backing these other artists and bands and then kind of their or the early versions of king's x sneak preview and um before they were king's x and then and then kind of how um sam taylor came, you know uh came in and helped them kind of find their way really yeah well you know as you also you know heard him talking about you know it's it's so strange sometimes that when you find your musical soulmates they may not be the the most likely or the most not ideal isn't the right word but you you know you want your musical soulmate to be your best friend or or somebody who likes the same everything that you do outside of music and but once you find it you, you, it's you don't let it go no matter how no matter no matter your differences you know it, it seems you know within reason of course so I, I, I it brings me to the the next track you wanted I'm gonna have you have you cue this up here talk a little bit about the next track we're gonna play this is gonna be from the Metal Blade era and talk about like how that kind of reflects you know you could see it was drawn upon a lot of those experiences yeah so I'm 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 going to choose Marshmallow Field, um, and that's Mr. Bulbous, right? It yeah. is. Yeah. It is. So what that, a weird record, yeah, and yeah. what a great title. Yeah. So that one, I just, it's got such a different thing going on. I mean, there's there's kind of that Beatles weird, and then the affecting the vocals, Ty's vocals are all weird. But, like, I just, I love how, how they both you know sing on that one and it goes into the crazy like when it goes into the distorted heavy thing yeah like it it, it i just it's it it's it's so like coming out of nowhere and um i don't know that that track just and this whole record really like you were talking about earlier really frames a very specific uh period in my life and and this is what was so cool is that it, not only that but it frames such a great piece of of the band all three guys write songs all three guys are great lead singers do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and but a lot of times when they sing lead it's like this is a tie song or this is a doug song this is a perfect example of of the, the, the all singing on on one track and it is so awesome, and it's so weird. And you know, whereas you know, the album title "Gretchen Ghost in Nebraska" was just kind of a joke uh, th- that one of the roadies had said one at one day, like "Please come home, dot dot dot, Mr. Bulbous." And there's this weirdo with a light bulb on his head. <laughs> like this is their Sergeant Pepper. And it's not a very long record. So again, if just like Air Candy, if you've ever said, "Well, that one's weird," I'm going to skip over it. If you've ever slept on Mr. Bulbous, first of all, shame on you. Number two, let us inspire you. This is Marshmallow Field from the the album from 2000. Uh, this is from Please Come Home, Mr. Bulbous. Please enjoy.
Okay, well, this is Sam Jones slash Gordon. I'm with Roy Turner at Tricky Kid Radio. And you better be tuning in, or I will find you. Yes, I will. Yes. <laughs> All right. Again, if you just joined us, we're, uh, we're hanging with Doug Pinnock from King's X and uh, playing some great music. I got my, my old friend Dito LaCour here with me, a, a King's X aficionado and uh, the tie that, that has binded us and has brought our friendship uh, for the last almost quarter of a century here. Uh, you know, I wanted to, 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 to say that you know, there's so much coming up. You know, we talk about, you know, of course, it's, you know, happy birthday to Doug Pinnock being 68 years young. But these guys act like they're in their twenties, man. So yeah. not only is there a new King's X book c- coming out, we and we also mentioned uh, the the book just on Doug, the Chris Smith wrote. But at the beginning of next year, uh, they have a cruise coming up. Uh, I think Doug is doing this thing with Joe Cetriani. Uh, of course, regular King's X touring, and then. Uh, finally, after uh, about 10 years, uh, I guess now, uh, the prospect of uh, finally a new King's X record. Uh, what was your, you know, we know it's not like what they've been doing for 10 years because th- these are the, the prolificness, if that's even a word, the, uh, how prolific these guys have been in the, since there's been a King's X record in 10 years, they never went away. I mean, the work ethic is still there. Talk to me about the last, since the last King's X record, why do you think there's been such a delay? Number two, what have been some of your favorite things that they've done in the interim? Yeah, you know, like, um, it seems like the whole record industry kind of changed, like, during that period of time. For sure. Like, and I, I just can't imagine being a professional working musician like how you navigate that um it 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 became clear that they did by doing tons of other projects you know i mean geez there's so many other projects that uh they've all done especially doug and ty Um, i mean i mean but jerry had had a couple of solo records yeah for sure awesome yeah, um, and still like you know jamming with other bands and stuff. Maybe not as an, in an official capacity, but but yeah. still staying busy. You know, yeah. um, I mean the KXM thing that Doug did. That was one that first record, especially I I really enjoyed and got right. into. Um, so yeah, I mean it's like they they seems like they continued to do shows. I mean they had all the the crazy stuff with the heart attacks and the Jerry and that stuff. Yeah. Health scares and and Doug's hernia things. And, uh, I remember that show at trees when he was, he, I don't think was he either in recovery or he was about to, or to go into surgery. Other way he was in a lot of freaking pain. Yeah. And you could see it, but it wasn't like he got, he got up there to whine about it. He came, he came up there to, to he disclaimed and that was it and he got on with it and i thought that was the, one of the coolest yeah. things I'd, I'd ever seen and and we were both at those shows when jerry had come back from multiple heart attacks yeah. and the whole crowd yeah. chanting jerry jerry, jerry, jerry. jerry. Yeah. exactly god i'll never forget that it's yeah. so freaking awesome and that's what i love and we want to thank the the entire king's x fan community out there you guys are some of the best fans in the world i've, I've enjoyed meeting uh, so many fans at uh, uh, at the shows and kind of sh- you know sharing the love and and uh, kind of keep spreading the message and, and that's what we are you know he and i do it deal and i do it individually and uh, we do it collectively uh and we uh we consider you guys to be allies in that and we, we and we thank you for that uh because this is a band that people need to hear about man this is a band that, that's still you know 
still kicking ass, uh, still rocking. Like I said, I, I really hope um, that we will get to see a new King's X record uh, sooner than later. It looks like that uh, that we will. Um, I know that there's been, uh, you know, the desire is there. Uh, so hopefully the, 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 the stars will align and mm-hmm. those three guys can get back into a studio uh, very, very, very soon, uh, as early as next year, hopefully. So, uh, tell me some some final thoughts here. Uh, along the years, tell me some some like when you think of King's X. I know I think of you, and I think about us, and I think about being uh, at the shows and and what the the, the albums have meant to me individually and, and uh, on a personal, very deeply personal level. But just almost as a casual uh, kind of thing, like what is the knee jerk thing or some little antidotes along the way that when you think of King's X, what do you think about? I mean, I mean, the, for me, they're, it's very personal. They're they're just kind of this thing that I I need to have. I go back to as a support system in many ways. I can Absolutely. go back to these records and, um, yeah. I mean, it it's it's like a timeless thing. The music's timeless. The lyrics are timeless. They're, even the recordings, the way they sound, are unique and. A lot of a lot of bands I've been into over the years, you know, you they serve a purpose in your life for a period of time, and then like when you go back to it, it's just not the same. And you may have a nostalgia thing, but with the, with these with Kings X and their music, it's it's always relevant to me. Yes, and I, and I learn new things, and I feel like I even on the old records, I I, I relate to things as a as you become an older person you know i was a teenager when i was hearing those records and now i'm you know almost 40 and 30 it just turned 38 and it's like oh i'm getting i'm i'm gaining more wisdom you know from from this music and these lyrics right. and so i mean for me it's just they're 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 almost like spiritual mentors you know in a, in a way for sure because those records have held up very very well by the way once again so i guess you're actually six and a half years younger than i am okay, okay. and again happy birthday to you my friend and i'm so glad yeah. that, you, that you're we're celebrating your birthday here along with doug's birthday you guys Absolutely, were one yeah. day apart Se- early september birthdays and yeah and Earth, Wind, and Fire, right? But I, <laughs> I, uh, uh, what's the what's the Earth, Wind, and Fire song about? The first, Se- Se- what the September, the song September? Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like a. I don't yeah. think it's about a date, is it? I, isn't there an actual date? Isn't it? Uh, I thought it was just. Do September. you remember? Now the man on the time that September. I just thought it was the whole month. Okay, maybe it is. <laughs> I, I, I bet you there's got to be a recording of Doug singing that song somewhere. But uh, anyway, I'll probably edit this part out. But I, uh, but no, but seriously, uh, you know, it's unbelievable how well these records have held up. Because, like you said, sometimes when I go, you know what, I'm in the mood for Twisted Sister, and and no disrespect there, but then I'll, I'll listen to Twisted Sister and kind of go, okay, like I get it that I was into that at ten, but now not so much. Or and great stuff, great value there, but it's not going to be something that's going to still. Uh, like you said, just be this rel- and I think I actually might be a bigger fan now. Those records just keep on giving. Yep. They just keep on giving. And they keep on, as people keep on giving, and still kicking ass and putting out great music and great records. Uh, again, we want to thank everybody for joining us. Thanks so much to Doug Pinnock. Um, 
the man uh, being so generous and open with his time. We're going to have much, much more uh, from from him, and uh, and hopefully we'll have the rest of the guys from King's X on uh, either all together or, or individually. But at some point, there's going to be a, a, a lot more King's X on, on this program. Uh, we want to encourage you again to check out those two books. Uh, go to uh, you know King's X. Follow along. There's a great uh, you know there's a thing you turn me on to that I want to give them a shout out to. It's the King's X Appreciation Society, and it's on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Is it, that's the name of it, right? Yep. It, um, Google that. Join it. Great group of people. Um, everybody, you know, I know like sometimes when you get into those groups and those things can tend to devolve about something else other than what the subject is. This one doesn't, at least in my experience so far, has been been a, yeah. a pretty pretty good group of folks yeah, there. Keep it King's X focused, and 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 you know the guys post in there. So occasionally Doug posts in there, and even I think I've seen Jerry and Ty yeah post. <laughs> so yeah. you occasionally get to interact with them, and they'll. So no. it's not just kind of like just like some dude in his dorm room. It's like I mean, it's an actual community that, that the members of King's X are actually a part of. So, want to implore you to do that uh, again. Check out Deedle's film. Uh, it's so awesome. It's called Filmage. Again, Deedle, where can they where can they find where can they find you on the interwebs, my friend? Um, well, uh, filmagemovie dot com. Um, I'm on Twitter, but you don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, probably uh, filmagemovie dot com. That's you can find find my stuff there. And of course, you can find us on iTunes at Tricky Kid Radio Podcasts, or just type in Tricky Kid Radio. Of course, we're also on Facebook. Just type in Tricky Kid Radio. We appreciate you you following along with all of our adventures. Uh, my uh, alter ego DJ Tricky Kid is also on there under that name, and I've got quite a few appearances coming up. Uh, probably uh, most uh, um, pertinent would be uh, if you're in the Dallas Fort Worth area, or if you plan on traveling to the Dallas Fort Worth area for the big Fan Expo coming up uh, at the uh, Irving Convention Center in October. Just Google that. We'll be out there. I'll be doing some DJ sets. We'll actually we'll be doing this show live from the floor uh, with lots of, of great guests uh, in the world of, of, of comics and sci-fi and all that kind of stuff. And so we're, we we'll like to have a lot of fun there. So come and, and check that out. Uh, again, subscribe on, on iTunes. Go to um, our website at Tricky kid.com that's tricky hyphen kid.com we'll have links to a lot of this different stuff and also where you can hear a lot of this great music uh and learn a lot a little bit more uh, again we'll have links to to Deedle's film uh filmage uh and a lot of the dates that we have talked about uh so i think that, you know uh to answer you know my own question what i asked you all ago and this will be my final thought uh for now is that when i think of king's x and, and i know this sounds like a pun but i think about its love not the, not necessarily the song, but I think about that's what I'm, I think about how good they make me feel. I think about how uh, inspired they make me feel, how encouraged they make me feel. And like I said at the top of the show, my message to you all listening is: don't take any shit from anybody. Uh, you know, always be kind to one another, but don't take any shit from anybody. That's always been my ethos uh, and kind of my, my my mo as well. And they've always have kind of made me feel I was right about that, you know, or made or, or at least maybe inspired me to kind of feel that way. Um, so. Again, uh, last social media plug again. Uh, you actually can go to our Twitter. I don't know what, what, what Deedle's hiding <laughs> over there, but uh, uh, you can go to Twitter and number Tricky Kid and the number two. We're going to leave you uh, with this track. This is actually from the most recent and the last uh, King Sex album. It's just going to be called 15. 
or X5 or XV or whatever. Uh, and uh, it's actually, what we're talking about a while ago, is I didn't realize this is actually a bonus track. So this is why it's also kind of has some obscurity to it. The song is called Hell Screaming, Lovin' Rockets, or Love Rockets, Hell Screaming. It's kind of like the Sweet Dreams are made of these yeah. kind of like <laughs> one of uh i love this song uh and again um hopefully we will see another king's x record sooner than later uh and we hope to see all of you uh sooner and later uh, again for my co-host deedle once again want to thank you sir thanks for having me man Enjoy and it. and again my brother happy birthday to you thanks and we thank everybody for listening and we'll see you next week see ya Suicide